great. All right, here we go. I'm going to launch into something today. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and you may not know, it may not be a holiday that you celebrate or that we talk a lot about in the church world, but Pentecost Sunday is really kind of the birthday of the church. It's the time when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the original group of followers of Jesus and the church began. And so today I want to talk a little bit about what that means for us. And I want us to, I want to remind us of who we are and remind us of what the church is called to be. I think that it's just time for us to just have a little bit of focus. I'm going to break from what we've been talking about with our sacred seasons uh, and just talk about this specifically because I think this is really important in this season. So just to set the scene here, Acts chapter 2 is where we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the life of the church. So it records, Acts chapter 2 records what's commonly thought of, theologians and Bible scholars talk about this as the birthday of the church. And what happens here is you've got a group of people who are gathered together in this upper room and they're praying. And I'll talk a little bit more about why they're doing that in just a second. So they're gathered together and they're praying and the Holy Spirit comes and is poured out into this group of people and they begin to speak in other languages, languages that they don't know, or the people around them begin to hear them speak in their own languages. It's actually really interesting there. But one way or the other, all of a sudden, this group of 120 people who were just a few weeks ago hiding out while Jesus was being crucified, and in the weeks after Jesus' death were still hiding from the officials, those that group of people goes from that moment, being in hiding, kind of being ashamed of what's happened, to now boldly proclaiming what Jesus has done to thousands of people. We actually learn at the end of this episode in, in Acts chapter 2 that 3,000 people came to be saved. So they went from 120 people praying to 3,000 people in just a matter of a day. That's like crazy growth. How did that happen? What well, happened because the power of God was poured out on this group of people. And there's something actually really interesting about that. All the way back at the beginning of your Bible in Genesis chapter 11, there is the, this group of people, this group of human beings who all share a common language and they begin to use their common language and their ingenuity to actually do something evil. This is what we know as the Tower of Babel or the Tower of Babel. And they're using their power, their unity to do something evil. They're trying to build this tower basically to make themselves like God. And so what happens there is God comes down and says, no, you're not going to use your power and your ingenuity for evil. I'm going to actually bring confusion to the situation. So that's kind of the biblical account about how we have multiple languages on earth. So we go from one unified language to multiple languages. Well, here in this moment, we've got a group of people assembled together for God's purposes rather than their own. So assembled for good rather than evil. And what God is pour out, does is pour out his spirit on this diverse group of people and then begins to give them languages and it reverses what happened in the Tower of Babel. So you've got this group of people who are gathered for good purposes who God says, instead of bringing confusion to their language, I'm going to bring unity to it. 
And that unity will be witnessed all throughout and people will come to know me. So we have this reversal of what happened long ago. And what happens here is this group of people begin to witness to the thousands around them who have been coming from all over the region. Actually, there are many people who think there were people from all around the Middle Eastern world who had assembled into this place who are now hearing the gospel in their own language for the, uh, that would have been for the first time. It's an incredible picture of what God has done to reverse something that, or that otherwise was a curse before. It's just an incredible picture. And at that point in time, that's when the church is born. Now, so many times the emphasis gets put on the phenomena of what happens, the speaking in tongues, the fire. I mean, it's crazy when you think about uh, what it would have been like to be in a room. If you read that account in Acts chapter 2, there are what looks like fire coming from heaven. There's a loud rushing sound in the room. People begin to speak in other languages. It would have been like an intense moment. I would love to be there. I like that would just be so awesome. But all the attention gets put on the phenomena of what happens instead of the meaning of what happens. And then why it really matters. And that's where I want to focus on, on why this happens and what it means for us. So I'm going to actually jump back to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And we're going to talk about exactly what's going on here at a deeper level. So Acts chapter 1. So this is the Luke uh, who's been writing. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. And now he's writing this book of Acts. And he's telling the story. He's been telling the story of Jesus. And now he's going to tell the story of how the Holy Spirit is going to work in the disciples. So here's what he says. In my former book, Theophilus, so he's talking to a person named Theophilus, I wrote all of, all of that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing signs and proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over the period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was still eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates my father is set by his own authority. But here's the part we're going to zoom in on. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's the background information to what happens in Acts chapter 2. Why they're waiting in prayer in this upper room is to receive what Jesus had promised them. He was going to give them the promised Holy Spirit. He'd been talking about this uh, all throughout his ministry. And actually going back to the Old Testament, there was this promise that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people and that that would be the beginning of a change that would happen all throughout the world. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to go and I want you to wait there. And this thing, this gift is going to happen. It's going to forever change anything. Now, here's what I want us to see in that. There's two things that we get really clearly. First of all, the, the Disciples are going to receive power. The disciples are going to receive power. And I'm going to stop referring to the disciples here and start referring to the church because right here is where we have the birth of the church. The church is going to receive power. You know, they had seen Jesus do some pretty incredible things. Jesus was a 
powerful person. And he did what he did in the power of the Holy Spirit. We learn at the beginning of the Gospels that the Holy Spirit came and rested on Jesus and never left him. That's the only person in all of the Bible for whom that was the reality until Jesus came on the scene. So the Holy Spirit's there and gives Jesus the power to do what he is doing. He does all these incredible, powerful things. First of all, he spoke with power. When Jesus talked, people listened. And not because he was a great orator, because he was a great communicator, maybe he was, but actually every indication that we get was that the reason why people spoke, uh, paid attention is because Jesus spoke with authority. There's actually multiple mentions in the gospel of the authority that Jesus spoke with. When he spoke up, people listened. He spoke with power. He healed with power. So he healed all kinds of diseases. He had power over sickness. He had power over death. First, he, he, he uh, raises a young girl to death, and then he raises Lazarus to death, and then his own. Power over his own death is crazy. That just does not happen. So he's got power over sickness and death. He's got power over spiritual, uh, spiritual powers. So the disciples see him cast out demons. They see him deliver people of different kinds of spiritual oppression. He's got power over oppression and justice. When Jesus comes on the scene, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me to set people free. A lot of times we only think about the spiritual side of that, but there's a physical side of that too. Jesus stands with those who were excluded and pushed out from his people, the people who were supposed to be on behalf of the poor. He stands, he stands with them and on their behalf. Those who should have been receiving forgiveness and welcome, he stands on, on, on their side and welcomes them into his family. So he actually has power over oppression and injustice. You can think about the, the woman who is about to be stoned. And Jesus says, look, if you have sinned, then you cast the first stone. And then he sends her away and says, I don't condemn you anymore. So he's got power over oppression and injustice. And he's got power over everything on earth. We see him calming the winds and the waves. We see him multiplying loaves and fishes. So the disciples and this group of people who are now the church have seen him operate in great power. And here's what Jesus is saying to his church now. I'm going to give you the same power that I have. Actually, in the Gospel of John, it says that just as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. So basically, he's telling this group of people, everything that you saw me do, you're now going to do it. I'm going to give you the power to do those things. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds great. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's a little hard to wrap my mind around uh, that the church could have that kind of power, that you and I could have that kind of power. That seems so far-fetched for me. That's not my reality. I don't know about you, but it's probably not your reality either. So that feels way out there. But Jesus says this is a promise, and it's going to be fulfilled in my church. And we see in Acts chapter 2, it is actually fulfilled. But here's the thing. Most often, when people get power, they're confused about the purpose for that power. So I don't know if you've seen uh, any superhero movies lately, but in almost every superhero movie, it doesn't matter what it is, someone comes upon some great power or ability that they have, and they don't know why, and they don't know what to do with it. 
And a lot of times these kind of movies, whether it's Superman or we just watched another one recently, it's a story of a superhero kind of coming into their own, figuring out what do I do with this power that I've been given? Why have I been given it, right? Well, this isn't a superhero story, but it, it's a very similar kind of thing that unless we understand the reason for the power that we've been given, the purpose for it, then we'll actually use it for the wrong things or we actually won't use it at all. But Jesus is really clear in this passage why he's about to give them power. He says this, you will be my witnesses and then lists off a bunch of places that he'll, that the church will be his witnesses. The purpose of the power is that you will be empowered to be my witnesses. What does that mean? What he was talking about is that you're going to tell the world who I am. You're going to tell the world exactly what I've done. You're going to tell the world how it is that you're meant to live in my kingdom. And then you're going to actually show people how to do it. That's what it means to be the witnesses. Tell about Jesus, why it matters, who he is, how it is that we follow him, and then how it is that we make other followers of Jesus. It's actually just not that complicated, but we oftentimes complicate it way more than that. It's not about uh, just an evangelistic, we, uh, we associate witnessing with just evangelism and just kind of like, I've got to tell this story individually. That's a part of it. But a part of what we're supposed to do, a part of our calling as a church, our purpose as a church is to witness collectively and individually to who Jesus is and why the heck it matters. That's what we're called to do. Your purpose and my purpose, our purpose as a church, is to be witnesses of Jesus, to tell about who he is, about what he's done for us, about why it matters and how we can jump in to that. Now, here's a funny thing. In this story uh, here that's recorded in Acts, we see really clearly that the disciples did not understand their purpose. They thought, they asked Jesus this, that Jesus was going to be coming to actually give them their nation back. They give them back the nation that they wanted. They had expectations that the Messiah would come and that when he would come, he would get rid of the Roman Empire who was occupying their land and overthrow them and then give them back their physical kingdom. And they asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, is now the time you're going to do that? Isn't this interesting? After all this time they spend with Jesus, they still think it's about this other thing. And it's funny, I, I know so many people who have known Jesus for so long who still think that Jesus has a different agenda other than what his agenda is. And so just like the disciples, just like the early church, we oftentimes can think that Jesus is here to do this thing or that thing, but he's saying, nope, this is the thing I came to do. I came to establish my kingdom in this particular way right here. He says, look, you are being given this power for my purposes, not your purposes. And the basic says, look, it's none of your business when this whole thing is going to happen. It, it, like, you don't need to worry about what that looks like when the nation will be restored. What you need to worry about is the power and the purpose that I'm giving you right here and now. And so Jesus says this to his disciples and to the early church. The thing that I came to do was to call people out from among the earth who would set the kingdom of heaven above every other earthly kingdom. To call people out who would say, this is the main thing. 
and then take on that kingdom of heaven agenda and then give them the power to actually extend that kingdom to other people the way that I did. It's so clear in Jesus' words, you're going to do exactly what I did. You're going to have the same agenda that was my agenda. And so the thing I'm inviting you into, the reason why I'm giving you this power is for the same purpose that I came, to heal the sick, to see people freed of oppression, to set the captives free, to proclaim good news to people that Jesus has come and has set us free. That's what you are meant to do. Now, you might be asking, why am I bringing this up? Well, it's Pentecost Sunday, so it's appropriate to talk about this particular day right now. And as I think about this, in, in our house, uh, we often like to remind each other of who we are. We need those reminders of our identity. This is who you are. This is who God made you. So we do something in our house called bless, a blessing book. So every person in our house has a little like journal. And rather than giving each other cards on birthdays or holidays, we'll write a little blessing in that book. A lot of times the blessings that we write in there are actually kind of identity statements. I love this about you. I appreciate this about you. It's reminding each person at this moment in time, this is how I see you. This is what I see God doing in you. It's a, and we do that especially on birthdays because it's a good day to remember your purpose and why you were created. So today, Pentecost Sunday, is that birthday of the church. So it's a good day to be reminded of who you are as a church, who we are as a church, that we were given power for a specific kind of purpose. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Do you know that? Do you believe that that's true? I mean, the Bible says it over and over again, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you. It's the same spirit that gives you the ability to cry out to Abba as your father, to say, God, you are my father. It's the same spirit that convicts us of sin. But here's the deal. That power was not given to you. That Holy Spirit was not given to the church merely for the benefit of setting us free from our own sin, although it's a really big part of it. It wasn't given to us merely to create intimacy with God, although that is a really big part of it. The Holy Spirit wasn't given to us, this power wasn't given to us merely to have great church services, although I think that's a part of it. No, he gave his Holy Spirit to us and gave us his power so that we would be witnesses to the greatness of Jesus. The church is only being the church when we are declaring the greatness of Jesus to people who don't know Jesus. That is the end game for us. All of the other stuff helps us fulfill that one purpose. It's interesting. This would have been an opportunity for Jesus to say, here's the way I want church to operate. Here's how your board should operate. Here are the things. Here's how you should structure yourself. You should have this meeting and that meeting and this meeting. But he doesn't say that. He says, I want you to go and I want you to pray. And I want you to wait for the power that I'm going to give you. And I want you to wait for it for this particular purpose. Our identity, who we are, is supposed to be people who witness to the greatness of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I want you to think about this. The word church, in Greek, it comes from the word ekklesia. And that word um, simply means called out from. Ek means from, and then the end of that means called out. So called out from something. 
And actually, this word was used uh, in Greek not for religious purposes. It was used as a general way to refer to a a group of people, religious or non-religious, who were called out from a group of people in order to make decisions, in order to discuss what should happen. They were called out from a group of people for the sake of that group of people. And they were given power and they were given authority to make decisions and seek the good of the people. And so this is used in all different kinds of non-religious terminology. So what happens in the New Testament is that idea gets picked up and used for who we are supposed to be as a church. So let's think about that for a second. We are called out from the world. So in some way we're supposed to be different, but we're called out for the world. We're called out from the world, but we're called out for the world. So here's what that means practically. We, as followers of Jesus, should look different than the world around us. We should talk different. We should think different. We should love different. We should sacrifice different. We should give different. Everything about us should look different than. We're called out from the world. This is actually repeated over and over in in Scripture, that we should be different from the world. But we're that for the sake of for the benefit of the world that we live in. So you and I, as the church, are called out from the world for the sake of the world. We were not just called out so that we can have a great family over here, not just called out so that we can have uh, great relationships with one another, not just called out so that we can sing great songs together, but called out so that we would be witnesses to the world of the greatness of Jesus. We do that with how we look different, but we also do that with how we tell the story of how Jesus, of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's who you and I are. We have been given spiritual power and authority to be used for the sake of others. When we pray for someone for healing, it's for their sake to experience the goodness of God. When we share what we have with someone else, it's so that they can experience the goodness of God through the kindness of our generosity. It flows from God to us, to the other people. That's the way this thing is supposed to work. You were set apart for the sake of the world, for that they would know Jesus. Now, to put a finer point on it, everybody who's watching this right now would say, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's probably true. But you, you, your family are set apart from your neighbors for the sake of your neighbors. You're set apart from your coworkers for the sake of your coworkers. You have been given spiritual gifts and power for the sake of your family and your neighborhood so that they would know Jesus. You might have thought that the church was primarily a place or maybe even a people with whom we just grow spiritually and we, we learn how to, how to do life better, um, where we gather together and we worship and we tell Bible stories and those kinds of things. And the truth is that those are part of it, but there's only happening within the context of being a faithful witness to the world, to telling who Jesus is and what his kingdom is like. I think a lot of us, and I know I did too, kind of got tricked along the way, not because anyone was trying to dupe us. We just weren't, weren't seeing it for what it is. We thought that we were following Jesus and going to church just to be better people. We thought that that was the case. I'm saying yes to Jesus because I want to be a better person. And look, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus wants that for you too. 
He wants you to grow in relationship with him. He wants you to grow to become more like him. But the truth is, that is only happening for the sake of your neighbors who need to know and love them. A need to know and love Jesus. This has not really ever been just about you. It's for the sake of the people around you who don't know Jesus. It's this genius thing that God set up. I want to set captives free so that they can set other captives free. I want to open the prison doors and let the prisoners out so that they can say to the other prisoners, hey, the door is open for you to come out and be saved, for you to leave behind your life of sin, for you to leave behind the brokenness in your family line. That's what we were set free to do. We were set free to set other people free. It's not just about us. It includes us. It includes all the things that we love about church. But they happen within the context of our faithful witness. Our purpose, our design is to tell the world how good Jesus is. We do that with our actions and we do that with our words. So when we're serving at food pantries or we're, uh, we're giving away to missions, we're doing that. But it's more than that. It's also actually literally saying, Jesus is my Savior. He is yours too. It's actually demonstrating how good God is to people. And the truth is, it's the only hope for the world that we live in. You know... I, honestly, this week, uh, of course, I'm going to get emotional. So I watch the ugliness that's playing out over the course of this week with some of the racial tensions that are happening. The ugliness of a man who was killed. The ugliness of people uh, using someone's race against them for their, for their own benefit. The ugliness of people tearing up businesses and breaking out windows. The ugliness of all of that. You know, it's, it's just hard to know what to say or what to do. But I know 100% that the gospel of Jesus Christ is made for this moment. I have a friend who and a colleague who's a pastor in Fort Wayne. Uh, he pastors a traditionally black church and then he actually co-pastors another church with some, some friends of mine. And he was gathered with a group of pastors in downtown Fort Wayne this week when a clash erupted. When there was a peaceful protest and it turned not, not peaceful. And he was gathered there with other pastors to try to bring some calm and some peace into the situation. And here's what he said. He was interviewed by the, by the media that were there. They were saying, hey, what, what is your message here in this moment? And he said, look, when people who are broken don't know how to fix their brokenness, they break things. And that's, he said, this is what's going on right here. And actually, he went on to say that this is the evil that's in all of us. And if you just think about it for a minute, you can think about how sin produces sin, how it produces more sin. Brokenness produces brokenness. This is how families get stuck in cycles of abuse. The son of an abuser becomes an abuser. The daughter of an addict becomes the mother of an addict. Cycles of abuse. We don't know how to get out of our brokenness. Racism is one level of brokenness. Violence is another level of brokenness. It all comes from the same evil root of sin, which Jesus came to extinguish and overcome through his people, being the people of God, loving one another sacrificially, 
This instance is just the more the most recent instance, but but it affects every label, every area of society. Jesus came for the healing of the nations. Look at war torn nations that just can't get seem like they're out of the cycle of war. It's one generation hurting the next generation, hurting the next generation, thinking that somehow that if we just keep doing that, it will somehow overcome and bring peace. And it doesn't. Jesus Christ is our peace. And it is our call to proclaim his name among our neighbors and the nations, between houses and the places where we live. That is our call. That's what we're doing. And if we're not doing that, then what are we doing? We're not being the people that God has called us to be. It's time for us to pause and consider who we are. Are we living for his purposes and are we living for his power? Do I have another agenda that I'm holding on to that I'm putting ahead of his agenda other than making his name great? Because if I do, it's got to bow down. It's got to take a back seat. Now, I realize that this is really challenging. Some of you watching here are just like, hey, I thought I was just learning how to grow to be a better Christian. This is how you be a better Christian. This is how you break the curse in your family line. This is how you find joy and freedom. It's stepping into the story of God for the sake of other people. You want to be set free. You want to experience joy. You want to experience all that God has for you. You want to experience uh, deep times of intimacy. Step into the story of God for the sake of other people and just see what happens. See, I think that we've been very focused on the need to gather. And I think that that's really important. But I think that God is saying, yeah, that's fine. But are you just as focused about your need to go? Because his call to us was to go into all of the nations, to go to this place and to that person, to go here and go there, not just to gather. The gathering serves our going. As we worship the greatness of Jesus, as we celebrate the things that he's done in our lives, as we worship together and learn together, we're encouraged so that we can go. And then when we go and we see the good works of God and the things that he's been doing, then we get together and we gather. Guess what? Man, it goes off the rails because God is so good and kind. We get to share the goodness of what he's done. We get to share the stories of what he has been doing. We get to say, do you know what God did when I shared the good news? Do you know what happened when I put his agenda among mine? Look at how it changed this family. Look at how it changed my family. And then we get to truly worship. I'm telling you, this thing works together. The gathering and the going. That's God's heart for us. So I want us to prayerfully consider this week. Is his purpose our purpose? Are we operating in his power? Right now, these guys are going to just play a song. And I want you just to spend a minute. And I just want you to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your living room right now and bring his presence. Just to invite the Holy Spirit to come and to bring his presence. The disciples had no idea what they were waiting for when they were praying in that upper room. All they know is that God said, I'll come with power. I don't know what that might look like this morning, but I believe in faith that he will come in power. And that some of you will experience a deep encounter with God this morning that you weren't expecting. But I want you to do that while you're singing along and while you're praying and just inviting the Holy Spirit to come. Allow him to do his work in you. It might be that he brings conviction. You might feel even right now a little riled up. 
You right now might be feeling a sense of, oh my gosh, I've let this agenda get ahead of God's agenda. You might be feeling a longing for God's power. You might be feeling a a longing for an expression of love. I don't know what it might be, but God's going to gift you, I think, with something. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, enter every home right now that's watching. Breathe your presence into every man, woman, and child. Reset our hearts on your agenda, on who you've called us to be. And then breathe out your power on us to be your people. In the name of Jesus and the power of the Spirit, for the glory of the Father. Amen.